0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ProWrestling.net All Access Podcast. This is a SmackDown audio review for the SmackDown that aired January the 20th, 2012. My name is Chris Shore, and joining me as always, my partner was covering SmackDown here on Friday night, Jake Barnett, and Jake and I coming to you guys All Access this time, giving everybody a chance to, uh, to check this out, and we'll be doing it again next week as we head into the Royal Rumble, but... As a general rule, we usually keep this just to the side for our members, just like we do most of our audios, and if you like what Jake and I give to you today and would like to check out some more of the audio that we do, there are other free ones on the side available, but once you're ready to pull the trigger and become a .NET member and have access to all the audios, all you need to do is head on over to prowrestling.net, click on the right-hand side of the page, and click on the .NET member sign-up page, and that'll get you started. Five fifty a month if you take the annual option. Seven fifty if you just take it thirty days at a time. And once you get signed up, you'll have access to not only the audio that Jake and I do every weekend for SmackDown, but also the audio review for Raw that Jason Powell does, the TNA Impact Wrestling audio review that Will Pruitt does. Sometimes he's joined by Ryan Kester, who is our primary coverage person for that show. Uh, Jake and Will get together every Wednesday or Thursday to do the .NET Countdown, looking at the best and the worst in all of professional wrestling. I do a weekly, what I call the audio slant. I uh, look at just different things that are going on in the industry. I look back in history, usually do a DVD review, Uh, just whatever kind of fits my fancy for that week. On Fridays, Jason Powell does a Q&A audio where members can ask both wrestling and non-wrestling questions for him to answer. And then every Thursday, Jason and I team up for our flagship show, that's .NET Weekly. That's a new show, usually has... uh, uh, well, it uh, re- recaps all the news for the week, and oftentimes, has first-run news, it's not even made its way to the site yet. And besides access to all of that audio each and every week, there's all the archives of the audio that we have, several interviews, one recently I did with Bobby Lashley. Uh, Jason recently did one with T.J. Polacco, a.k.a. Just Incredible, where they talked a lot about uh, Scott Hall and some of the issues that he's been having. Tons of audio there on the site for you guys, uh, interviews from just all across the wrestling spectrum. Not to mention you'll have access to the ad-free version of the site and, of course, access to our .NET Members Forum and .NET Members blog page. This is a good time to sign up. Royal Rumble is just one week away, and uh, from there, of course, that starts the road to WrestleMania, and the news flies hot heavy from this time until WrestleMania starts in April. Uh, there'll be more news about WWE Network, even though it has been pushed back to the fall. Uh, so just a lot of things to check out. Definitely a good time to sign up if you've ever thought about doing it. Now is the time to definitely check it out as we start down the path to the Royal Rumble. And Jacob will go and bring you in at this point. This is again, we got one week left. Uh, next week's shows, both Raw and SmackDown, are the go-home shows for the Royal Rumble. And we can always tell when WWE starts to get to the even if you didn't know when WrestleMania was, just by watching, you could tell because suddenly. Uh, we start to see some storylines taken a little more seriously. We start to see certain things beginning to coalesce for what we think is going to happen down the road uh, in, for WrestleMania. And the shows, just as a general rule, get better. I thought Raw this week was better. And I thought SmackDown this week was a good show. It wasn't as good necessarily as last week, but I thought that overall it was a pretty good show. What did you think of this week's show? Yeah, I was actually
1: pretty pleased with it. I got a chance to to sit down and watch it uh yesterday and it was uh it was quite a bit better than uh what i was expecting based on on the spoilers i i usually don't really care for the uh you know the kind of thin city stuff they do with the with the wheel backstage setting stipulations and whatnot but uh i thought everybody on the show this week actually turned in some pretty good performances given uh the material they were given i, I wasn't terribly thrilled with how much comedy made its way onto the show uh, I think I usually think this time of the year is kind of more geared towards serious wrestling storylines, but I think, uh, you know, I, I'm probably, uh, you know, getting a little bit nitpicky about that. But overall, I thought this was a pretty good show. It wasn't as good as Raw this week, but I, I was consistently entertained, and I, I can't complain
0: too much about that. Yeah, one of the rare weeks where I thought the Raw was was better than SmackDown overall, and and like you, I'm not a big fan of uh, the wheel gimmick. Of course, this was the, they hyped this as the Sin City version of SmackDown. It was uh, taped in Las Vegas, Nevada, back on the 17th, and uh, most I, I guess every match uh, on the show had the the spin the wheel, make the deal type stipulation in the back. I I will give WWE credit for this. Usually when they they drag that thing out and they give it a spin it's so painfully obvious that there's somebody or something behind it that's picking, you know, it's not truly random. They've, they've got, either got a machine back there that they can program or somebody back behind it who knows how to stop it, But and, and usually you can tell, we'll see it sometimes even in a reverse direction whenever it spins, but this time I thought they did a pretty good job of making it seem at least semi-like uh, like it like it was random, but... Uh, usually it leads to some, some strange situations. They even opened up talking about one with the first spin of the wheel with Cody Rhodes, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, but nothing really bizarre. Uh, some, like you said, a little too much comedy. I'm always okay with one comedy act making it on the show. We really had two moments, uh, two major moments on here and then way too much Oksana and Teddy Long in the back. But really, I, for the show itself, I thought the show was very good and uh, again, not as good as Raw, I agree with you on that, but still a good show, and, and most of my problems are just booking decisions more so than the actual show itself, Though so I, I do have some minor problems with the show. Uh, of course, the, the big news coming out of the show is that the World Heavyweight Championship match is set for the Royal Rumble, That will be Daniel Bryan defending his World Heavyweight Championship against Mark Henry and the Big Show in a triple threat inside of a steel cage. That was announced at the last second. Uh, SmackDown, that Daniel Bryan escaped from the, uh, the schmoz that was going on in the ring that we, kind of the obligatory Royal Rumble schmoz. You have to have at least one before, uh, if it's not the week before, then certainly in the, the run-up for Royal Rumble, you have to have a moment where everybody's in the ring just beating each other to death. Uh, Daniel Bryan escaped from that, runs and the penny long backstage, Kenny makes the announcement. What did you think about, what do you think about the match for the, for the Royal Rumble? And what did you think about the announcement with it just kind of being thrown in at the very end? Yeah, I thought that was kind of strange just to have it kind of be
1: flatly kind of thrown out there right at the end of the show. But uh, I, I'm actually kind of excited for the match. I mean, I, I, I've liked the chemistry between Daniel Bryan and the big show uh, and, you know, the, the the stuff they did with AJ with the, with the past couple of weeks. And I'm also, you know, a big fan of Mark Henry. So if there's a, you know, if there's a match on SmackDown that, you know, that would get me to order a pay-per-view aside from the Royal Rumble match, this would be it, I I, uh, I'm optimistic about what they can do just because they've all been, been so good and they seem to work so good together. Uh, and, and Brian really is tra- starting to come into his own. I, I've, I've been more impressed with him, uh, you know, the more I've seen him lately and I, I'm starting to, uh, you know, understand what, uh, you know, what they see in this steel character in him and, you know, he, he's just getting a lot better. Uh, I don't think we would have seen this type of, uh, this type of thing, you know, and I don't necessarily want to call it acting, but I guess that's what it is. But, uh, I don't think we would have seen this out of him, you know, 18 months or two years ago when he was making his uh his debut on WWE.
0: Yeah, that, that's probably a fair uh, assumption as well that you know he's had to grow into this role, and I think he's growing into it nicely. I will say they've been doing this this match, this triple threat match, uh, sometimes in the cage, sometimes not, but they have been working this match on the house show scene. Uh, obviously, Daniel Bryan has retained the championship. I won't give away any spoilers on, on how he's been able to, if he's winning, if it's you know some sort of, of weird finish or whatever. But they've certainly been working hard on this uh, through the house show circuit. I think they've probably got a good match set up. I talked to someone the other day who I saw this match and said, "Hey, if they if they have that same match as uh, the Royal Rumble, it'll be a lot of fun." And uh, we see that a lot. You know, we've with, with guys working together on the house show, building up, you know, getting their match ready for the big stage. Uh, so it should be a good match, and I agree. All three guys are working really well together. Mark Henry continues to be just the best thing on SmackDown. I, I, it, it just, you know, I, I keep waiting for him to, to fumble. I keep waiting for him to fall, and he does And I, I thought he was fantastic this week in the promo. He cut backstage with Teddy Long. I mean, just the perfect intensity from that guy. Uh, he's he's no nonsense heel, you know. He he, he trash-tated long. We'll, we'll talk about more when we get there. But you know, he trashed tated long from putting AJ in danger. Then said, you know, now he's putting Daniel Bryan in danger. Uh, he just he just continues to be impressive. Big Show not on the show this week on all, all purpose. Uh, they told a story with that. Daniel Bryan just getting better on the mic uh, each and every week. So yeah, the, the top of the card on SmackDown right now is a real joy to watch. I will ask you this question earlier about the Rumble, and we'll, you know, we'll talk more about the Rumble next week as we head into it for sure. But Right now, looking at what we've got going on, you've got Dolph Ziggler against uh, CM Punk for the WWE Championship at the Rumble. You've got this Triple Threat match uh, for the SmackDown Championship, at, or the World Heavyweight Championship at the Royal Rumble. You know, somebody's going to win the Rumble and go after one of those titles. I won't ask you who you think's going to win the Rumble this week, but I will ask you which title do you think will ultimately be on the line at WrestleMania because of the Rumble winner? Will it be the Raw WWE Championship or the SmackDown World
1: Heavyweight Championship? Uh, I think it's going to be the WWE Championship on Raw. I I think they have uh, a pretty good momentum going with storylines, you know, on on the WWE Championship side. I think there's a lot of challengers that are kind of lining up to go after Punk, and I think one of them is going to probably end up taking the Rumble and going after him.
0: All right, well, we'll talk more about our predictions next week. I tend to agree with you as well that it's going to be the WWE Championship, and we'll talk about how all that lays out probably on next week's show. But this week's show, again, was recorded on the 17th in Las Vegas, Nevada. They called it Sin City SmackDown. We only had two matches hyped for this, uh, Sheamus versus Wade Barrett, and, of course, Daniel Bryan versus Mark Henry for that World Heavyweight Championship. We opened with a video recapping what happened last week between Big show and Daniel Bryan and A.J., uh, and how that all played out. we got a regular opening video in Pyro. Daniel Bryan made his entrance as Michael Cole, Josh Matthews, and Booker T checked in on commentary. And Daniel Bryan cut a very similar promo to the one he cut Monday Night on Raw. Uh, he said this episode was called Sin City, not because they were in Vegas, but because that described what Big Show did to AJ the week before. Uh, he ran down their weights again, talked about AJ being 95 pounds and Big Show being 500 pounds. That all all that show, show was doing at the end of last week's show was, uh, was acting. He accused, accused him of having crocodile tears. He said Show did it because he was bitter about having the shortest title reign in history. And he said because of that, now his girlfriend's career might be over because she insisted on being with him at ringside. He said she did that because she loved him, and he had great admiration for her as well. And that's why he dedicated his match on Raw and his match that night, uh, along with Mark Henry, to AJ. Uh, he continued to run down shows, said the show wasn't there tonight, and that was a good thing, because he could not be held responsible for what he did. He said that Big Show should just do everyone a favor, protect everyone else, not to have his big old self uh, hurting someone else through an accident, and he should just go ahead and quit. Uh, and that's how he left it uh, with the ring. Uh, But just just, just screaming that Big Show should quit. They they played his music, and that was the end of his promo. I I didn't like the finish of the promo, but last week we were, I don't want to say critical, but we were not as impressed with his solo performance on the mic last week as it was when he was working with Henry. And while I didn't like the finish of this promo, I thought this week he did just fine out there by himself. He he didn't need a foil, even if it did end kind of sloppy. Do, Do you agree?
1: Yeah, I thought he carried the segment pretty well. He, he showed some uh, confidence on the microphone that you know he's starting to pick up now, and you, you can see he's you know he's kind of starting to adapt his own you know uh, vocal style and, and, and his own pacing on the microphone, which is something that I think he lacked uh, before. You know, he he seemed to to struggle at times to, to come with come up with words, and I I don't know if he's uh, in, you know if promos are more written for him now. Uh, whereas, you know, maybe he was, uh, he was being, you know, ad-living more before, but it definitely seems like he's not searching for words as much as he used to be. And that's always a good thing. It, it didn't, you know, I think you're right. It, it didn't end, you know, on a, you know, on a punch like you would expect. It just was kind of over and then he stared at the crowd a bit. But overall, this is a much better promo segment than last week. And, and I think he's doing a very good job of getting under the skin of, of female fans. You know, I think on Raw, you know, he, when he talked about AJ, he, and he mentioned the fact that, you know, she loved him, and he said he appreciated that. And, and now he's saying, you know, he, he kind of uh, reiterated that tonight and said he had a great admiration for her. So I, I think he's, you know, he's doing his best to uh, to get under people's skin just by, you know, being as insincere as possible when talking about this woman who, who, uh, who loves him, who he obviously, you know, doesn't really have the same type of feelings for, at least that's the impression he's giving off. So I, I thought, you know, he did a good job of conveying, emotion and he did a decent job uh, of getting people to hate him and and i think that's you know when you're you're talking about a a new heel uh you know i think that's
0: you know pretty good accomplishment yeah no i absolutely agree he um like i said he's getting more comfortable on the mic and we're starting to see that he's developing his own style and yeah i I like what he's doing with with the AJ stuff it's it's just ambiguous enough you know i he, he's he's doing what I call a logical heel, you know. Everything he's saying could be potentially true. We know in you know, intrinsically we know that it's not true. We know that Big Show didn't kill AJ because he was bitter. He just you know, he didn't see her. That's you know, but it, the things he are say, he's saying is very true. It's very much no like what kinda of what I'd hope to see from our truth based on the vignettes he had when he came in. I wanted him to come in as a heel and would be the, the, the heel that would just tell the baby faces the truth they didn't want to hear kind of the same angle we're getting here from brian he's you know he's he's ambiguous about his feelings towards aj He appreciates her love and he has great admiration and strong feelings for her as well but he won't say that he loves her and I, i really like what he's doing right now so yeah continue good stuff from him and much like cody Rhodes, who had to go through that transition period and who i think now might be one of the best mic workers that wwe has uh hopefully Daniel Bryan can uh, continue to improve and adjust to that. I think that was the only thing that was ever holding him back from being a well-rounded star. We know what he can do in the ring. It was just his, his mic skills, and we've seen great strides from that guy over the past few weeks. They cut backstage to Teddy Long and Oxana, who were standing in front of the wheel. Teddy explained how the wheel worked to Oxana, and Cody Rhodes walked in. He said that he was the last hope for the Rhodes family, and talked about the last time his brother, Goldust came in and spun the wheel. He was in a Vegas showgirl match. So Cody got a chance to spin the wheel and landed on player's choice. Katie said Cody could pick any opponent he wanted. Cody said, I'd pick him. And he pointed. Uh, the guy, it appeared that he was pointing at, turned around, and it was Ezekiel Jackson. Cody got it right in his face and said, no, not you, him. He pointed again. The camera focused on Santino, who... Put his hand up, so I feel like he was blocking the his, the person's view, and pointed down and to his left. Uh, and then the camera settled down, and of course it was Hornswoggle that Cody Rhodes was pointing at. So Hornswoggle and, and Cody Rhodes was booked for after the match, or excuse me, for after the commercial break. Uh, you know, it's again with the the real thing. It is what it is. Um, I, but this was our first bit of comedy for the night, and, and we went back to it a couple of times with The Wheel as well. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't a terrible segment, but it didn't it didn't really do anything either. I mean, Cody came in and, and did his lines and did them very well, but I mean, what else could you say about this segment, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it just kind of was what it was. Did Cody walk up when Teddy was explaining to Oksana what The Wheel was? I, I think it was a...
0: Yeah, yeah, Cody, I mean, uh, Teddy, I think he just finished explaining how it worked, and then Cody walked up and started.
1: (laughs) Yeah, one thing I noticed that was kind of bizarre was that the the stipulations that Teddy used to explain uh, what the wheel was to Octana actually ended up being the stipulations for some of the matches on the show, so I don't know if that was an intentional giveaway or if that was just Teddy being Teddy, but that was... uh, That was kind of interesting. With the segment itself, uh, you know, I thought Rhodes did fine. You know, it's just everybody backstage doing their little character bits. And, uh, you know, it it set up another comedy bit with Hornswoggle, uh, you know, that that turned into a match. And, you know, it's just one of those things that you can't really say was bad, but it didn't really excite
0: me any either. Yeah, I mean, you know, considering some of the ignorant stuff we've seen with um – With with the wheel, there's certainly worse things that could have happened. After the commercial, we did get a shot of the Vegas Strip, and then Cody Rhodes had made his entrance, or he made his entrance, followed by Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle did not look happy about having to get in the ring. He kept shaking his head and putting his his, his face in his hands Before he could even make it to the ring, though, Cody slid out of the ring and shoved him to the ground. He kind of kicked him with his foot, not with the toe of his foot, but kind of pushing him with the bottom of his foot, kicking him towards the stairs, telling him to get in the ring. Justin Gabriel's music hit in the surprise moment of the night. Uh, He ran out and attacked Cody. He managed to hit Cody a couple of times. Cody rolled into the ring to escape. Gabriel grabbed the mic and said, uh, really, you're going to pick Hornswoggle? Why don't you pick somebody your own size, or would you rather be in a Vegas showgirl match? Which is, of course, referencing what Cody had said about Goldust earlier. Cody, I I don't know if this was scripted or if he came up with this on his own, Whatever it was, it just shows great awareness by whoever realized this. He looked at the ref and, and nodded and said, no uh, no title, no title. Um, so uh, so it was, they set up the first match of the night. Instead of being Cody Rhodes versus Hornswoggle, it was Cody Rhodes defeating Justin Gabriel at 3 minutes and 41 seconds. Uh, both guys got in a lot of quick spots early. Uh, Gabriel ended up hitting a springboard crossbody for a great near fall near the end, but Cody came almost right back. I missed what the setup move was, I don't know if it was a beautiful disaster kick or what, I I glanced away for just a second, missed the setup, but he did hit crossroads for the victory, it was a three and a half minute match, but it did not come across to me as a standard enhancement match, where, as April has done for the past few weeks, he just went out there and took a loss from somebody to make them look good, this I don't know that they're going to a feud with these guys, but it certainly felt like more than just an enhancement match. Am I wrong about that?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I got the impression based on you know how much offense Gabriel got in and how the announcers actually made an effort to, uh, you know, to put put over how you know athletic he is and and you know how courageous he was for coming to the defensive swagger. But they're actually going to try to give this guy a push. And you know, we've all we've both been high on Gabriel at different times for for different reasons most of them you know surrounding his ring work so if they can get to give the guy a character and he can prove that he can go out there and talk I, you know I think he's got a lot of promise and and that's what's missing here so maybe they're trying to give him another
0: opportunity to prove that he can do that yeah i mean i and i thought it was a really good match i mean it was uh it was one of those things where uh it, they didn't have a whole lot of time, you know, to really show off. But they showed. They gave enough that you, when it was over, for me, I thought, you know, if that was given twelve, fourteen minutes on a pay per view, that'd be a hell of an opening match.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, you know, if they gave them some time, even on the the Royal Rumble pay per view or something, you know, since all the competitors are eligible to. Uh, To go in there and and take on uh, the Royal Rumble match even after they have another match on the card. I I think that could be fun. You know, it could be a good Intercontinental title match. And I like the fact that they're actually putting, you know, some focus on the fact that Cody is the first credible Intercontinental champion at some time. And he can actually give people in the mid-card a little bit of a boost just by making them look credible in the ring. So I I think it would be a win-win to give, you know, to give a longer, uh, you know, more substantial Intercontinental title match on a major pay-per-view. Because I think the title deserves that much credit.
0: I I you get no argument from me there. We got backstage where Mark Henry was with Teddy Long at the wheel. Henry said this was Teddy's stupidest idea ever and Teddy asked him what he meant. Uh he said that Teddy had put AJ in harm's way last week by having him out there uh in the match and that this week Teddy was putting Daniel Bryan in danger. Uh Teddy told him to spin, Teddy said, Are you gonna spin the wheel? and Henry yelled, No, you spin it, it's your stupid idea. So Teddy spun the wheel and it landed on a lumberjack match. Henry said that was fine with him and that the egotistical little pipsqueak champion was going to be inducted into the Hall of Pain. Uh, again, uh, just one of those, just, he, he just continues to be good every single time we see Mark Henry out there.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, Mark Henry is as good as it gets right now and I don't think uh, there's any argument in, uh, from that perspective. He's, you know, he's just so confident and he knows exactly what you know he wants to say and he wants to do and he's, you know, he's, he's, you know so, you know, it, it's difficult for me to come up with more adverbs and adjectives to talk about him, you know, because we, we've already gushed about him so much, but he's, he's definitely, you know, the best character on SmackDown and, and quite possibly the best heel that we've seen in WWE, you know, for at least, I mean, a year now. I mean, he's, he's the most legitimate heel we've seen, you know, no-nonsense heel, a guy that isn't a you know, a complete chicken shit that we've seen in, in WWE for a long time, and I, I appreciate
0: that a lot. Yep, he continues to impress each and every week. After a commercial, we had a video that replayed the tag title win by Epico and Primo at the house show. Um, then they came out to their ring and uh, with Rosa, and she they, they grew decent heat. But you can tell that the guys, I mean, the, the guys did not want to boo Rosa. Certainly whenever she got in the ring and started doing her dance bit, they, uh, they did not want to boo her. The Usos made their entrance uh, and did their full uh, uh, the dance that they do, the war dance that they do. And that led to our second match of the night. Primo and Epico defeating the Usos in a tornado tag match. We were told that the tornado stipulation was done by Teddy Long backstage earlier in the night um, and that that's what led to it. Uh, so they, uh, and of course the, the thing that was very frustrating is there was a commercial about this right before the match in which they showed this new toy by WWE called the Tornado Takedown, which allows you to have, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a tag team gimmick thing, uh, ring where you can put guys in there and spin them around and make them clothesline people and everything else. Uh, but it, and that's what this basically was, was a, was a way to, to put that over. As they started getting everybody in the ring, Booker T. had the game or the little uh, fake ring toy thing there on the announce table and showed it off to everybody. I, that Immediately I was soured on the match. Um, it was two-minute, 30-second match. I mean, I, I, it wasn't a whole lot to see. The Usos got in a couple of neat uh, simultaneous moments, hitting uh, simultaneous splashes in the corners, and then doing not really stink faces like their dads, but, but kind of the stink face without the rub, just slamming in butt first into the, the corner. Um, one of the Usos fell to the floor with Primo. Rosa got up in his face and started screaming at him, which allowed Primo to hit, uh, to drive him back into uh the ring apron, uh, hurting that Uso. Meanwhile, the other Uso hit his big splash on Epico in the ring, but that allowed Primo to sneak in, throw him off, and then hit the backstabber for the victory, uh le- letting Rosa dance again for the fans. I mean, it, it was a two and a half minute match. It's hard to be, you know, to, to say anything bad about it, but on the same hands, hard to say anything good about it because very little accident, or very little action that you could do in two and a half minutes. But it was fine for what it was. It just aggravated me personally that it was nothing but a glorified commercial for that new action set.
1: Yeah, that was kind of a bummer. I mean, it was, it's sad when they have to use matches for completely to promote you know things other than what's on the show. But it uh, it wasn't a terribly wrestled match, and I you know I enjoy the uh, that, you know the tag team division when when it's good, but this definitely wasn't uh, one of its finer moments. It continues to be definitely far and away the least uh, compelling title scene in, in WWE. I hope they uh, dedicate more time and energy to it, but it just doesn't seem to ever fall on their radar, and that's that's really too bad.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, ho- hopefully we'll see more tat, you know title stuff, but it's it'll be interesting to see now that Evan Bourne got his suspension. You got to wonder if uh, if Vince just threw up his hands and we'll see this is why I don't give a damn about. Uh, the tag team, about the tag team division. But after commercial, we went, we had the video that hyped the Royal Rumble and then ca- recapped last year's Rumble. Um, and then we cut backstage to Oksana and Teddy again. They were sitting there cooling on each other. I uh, immediately blacked out my hearing because I can't stand to listen to that garbage. Jameis walked up and saved the day. Thank you. He, uh, uh, Teddy said that, uh, uh, they he talked about the wheel. Teddy had Oksana spin the wheel. For Sheamus and his match with Wade Barrett, it came up as a tables match. Sheamus said that was fine with him because, as you crazy kids say, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Teddy and Oksana went back to Googling each other, and Sheamus walked off immediately. Now, I had read the spoilers, but I could not remember who had won this match. I honestly did not, but as soon as I saw tables match, I knew Sheamus was taking the loss because... That's what they do in WWE when they want to protect someone. They put them in a tables match and have them, have them win that way. Look at she- how Sheamus did it with John Cena himself. Now the shoe's on the other foot. Sheamus is the one being protected from Barrett by putting him in a tables match. I thought, I thought it was a dead giveaway.
1: Yeah, I felt the same thing. I mean, We've seen this countless times before, you know, where they, they threw, this, uh, threw guys into a tag match just to – allow somebody to pick up a win without taking too much away from the other guy so he doesn't have to take a pinfall
0: and you know it's
1: just kind of lazy booking i guess you could call it just because it's it's kind of we've seen this before and it just kind of sets it up right away that lets you know that well you know it's a table's match so all you have to do to win is is put somebody through a table and it's not really a definitive win it's just kind of uh you know it's in the middle of a feud to kind of continue uh on to the next phase and I thought the uh, the way it was set up was uh, would definitely give way to that because Sheamus uh, immediately looked bonded when he found out it was a trash match.
0: So I don't know. It, it was uh it was
1: it, it's all right. I guess in in the end it worked out. But I, I'm still not a fan of the of the way that they uh, you know they refuse to put people over in any meaningful way by by using stipulations. It's just kind of uh, you know a recurring theme, and it, it takes
0: away from the show overall. I think. Yeah, it's, you're right, it's something, I mean, Seamus has been in a holding pattern, if he lost the match just straight up, it wouldn't end up being the end of the world, and not only did they do a tables match, but it ends up being, you know, a gimmick ending on top of a of a, of a tables match, so, uh, but we'll, you know, we'll talk about that when we get there, I did think it was a dead giveaway, anybody that's been watching WWE for longer than a couple of years, probably figured out immediately, we cut to the ring where the only living Funkasaurus in captivity was introduced. Brodus Clay and his girls came to the ring. Uh, it was announced that he would be in a dance-off, so we knew immediately we were in for some sort of comedy. After commercial, Vicky Guerrero was making her way to the ring. She slid in and said that she was Brodus's, uh competition in the dance-off that night. Uh, she said that she was going to win, and then she started talking. I like I think she was trying to rhyme maybe and she even said, you know, that's for shizzle. She called for her music and she started doing and somebody pointed out to me on Twitter the next day it was kind of a, a spoof. If you're a Seinfeld fan, if you remember the the dance Elaine did on Seinfeld where she would kind of kick her, her feet out to one side and, and move her arms. I think I can't remember exactly what the joke was, how she it was she ended up watching some sort of nature show or something and thought that was a legitimate dance but it was basically that sort of thing, but much more awkward. Uh, as soon it was, as it was over, she said, "That's how you do it." I was already kind of giggling at this point, and then Brodus's music starts. Both of his girls got a chance to do, uh, you know, I mean, they're they're both very athletic and, and were able to move their bodies in, in very pleasing ways. Surely, but then then the funny stuff kicked in. Brodus did the whole um, hook and catch thing where he dragged himself closer to Vicky. Then he, it looked like he said touch it and pointed to his abs and started jiggling as he took off his coat, uh, and then threw it on the ground. And that was the end of the dance-off. Brothers Clay was declared the winner as picked by the, the WWE audience. I wasn't stitching at this point. I mean, I really wasn't. The, the, his, his wiggling in front of Vicky Guerrero, the look on his face, the look on her face, everything about it was just done perfectly. I, I was crying. And then, if I, as if it couldn't get any better, Vicky starts pitching a fit, screams, that you know, hit my music, let me do it again. She starts doing the, the the herky-jerky dance again, only lasts for a second. When William Regal's music hit, Regal comes to the ring and says "As an English film, he cannot watch this woman embarrass herself. He said, please do not boo this. Did he, did he call her a busty wench? Is that what he called her?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think he did. Yeah. It, it was,
0: it was I think it was, it was that was Buxom, Buxom Winch. Please do not boo this Buxom Winch, uh, which to her credit, I thought Vicky looks very good uh, on the show. She has certainly done a lot of work, and, and her body is, has responded well to the effort she has put in. Um, he said, you know, we can't let her watch anymore. Asked her to leave. She started to leave. So just grabbed the mic and said, wait a minute, let's see what you've got, or are you a funky chicken? Uh, Regal just stared at him for a moment like he was going to, to hit him and then said, hit my music. Regal started to dance, and, uh, it was, it was better than Vicky's, but still a comedy dance. And then out of nowhere, Brodus hits that big flying crossbody. Uh, I think Cole said he's calling it, uh, uh, get the funk out, or, or, uh, get something out of it. It's obviously a, a play on the F word there that they're trying to do. Uh, as soon as Brodus said it, he jumped up, threw his hands over his mouth, and did the my bad. And then he and the girls dance. They even helped Regal to his feet at one point. Had him hanging on the ropes and, and were dancing in the ring. I, I you know, look, I, I've come 180 degrees on this. I, I still, I, all my, all the things I say that are wrong with the act, I still say are wrong with the act for Brody's play. He would have been better as a monster heel. Uh, this is not going to draw money. This is not going to be a main event act. But once you put all that aside and go, okay, well, we're not going to be, we're not going to get those things, so we have to accept what they give us. He is putting his complete soul into this, and he continues to sell me on it every week. And, I, and as much as I hate to say it, I love this. I was cracking up at the end.
1: Yeah, no, this is very funny stuff, and I, and I think Brodus is, uh, is, you know, the reason it works. I mean, it's just, I remember Mark Henry rapping on Raw, and, uh, and you know, comparing that to what Brodus has been able to do, you know, it, it, it's a night and day difference, and it's, it's obvious that, you know, it's his talent is the reason that his act is getting over And you know, props to him for that. I mean, there there are still opportunities for him to, you know, to become a monster heel if that's the road they want to go down sometime later, Uh, and I think they could do that relatively easily, but, you know, while this is uh, what he's, you know, what he's in, uh, I think it's very entertaining, and I guess the real test will be, can you know, can they maintain that through a serious feud with another wrestler, and I guess that remains to be seen, but that will be the major
0: test for him, but
1: for right now, this is very funny and entertaining stuff.
0: Do you think that um, he's going to end up in a feud with Regal, or this was just a one-off type moment for William Ray? Uh I,
1: I would assume it was. It would be a one-off uh, type moment for Regal. I, I don't think he's been, you know, more than the uh, than the NXT announcer for for quite some time now. But I mean, anything's possible. I, I don't think he's really indicated anything uh, on Twitter or anything. Uh, through news sites that I've seen that he's going to make any kind of full-time in-ring comeback. But it would be, it would be fun to see him get some attention because
0: I think he's one of the, one
1: of the better veteran workers
0: that they have. Yeah, I I think he's a guy that could do a lot of neat stuff with Clay and, and allow Clay to, uh, to really express himself. But if it's not him, then it's going to have to be somebody soon. Uh, as funny as it was, this is going to get old. Well, you know, not too much longer. He's not going to be able to ride the initial high of this much, much longer at this point. Uh, he's going to have to get in the ring and really have a feud with someone and see what comes out of it. I mean, we that was a concern with Zack Ryder so far. He's doing okay other than the fact he's been saddled with a crappy story by being seen as a little buddy. But, you know, leading up to that, he did okay uh, getting over and winning that U.S. title. So uh, we'll see what Clay can do. I mean, I think the guy is a fantastic talent. I think you make it, you know, the, the, the perfect point, which is it's getting over because of him. I think that's a testament to his talent. Um, and it's all interested to see what happens next. After commercial, we had our top of the second hour match, our third match of the night, Wade Barrett defeating Sheamus in a tables match at 6 minutes and 42 seconds. Um, you know, this table matches are what they are. They had a couple of neat pop finish spots where both guys ended up jumping over the table at one point uh, instead of landing on it. Um, I, I thought those were well done as best as can be expected. You know, because, again, you can only build so much drama in, in a tables match. The problem, of course, this comes on the finish. Not only are we not going to get a, uh, a you know a, a quote unquote clean finish because we've got it's a table match and anything could happen, but you have Seamus getting ready to put Barrett through the uh, through the table in the corner uh, with using the Irish curse or excuse me, the Irish cross um, on Barrett. Gendry Mahal runs out, run, jumps up on the apron. Seamus runs over, knocks him down, turns around into a kick by Barrett who after he kicks him, stands there looks at him for about two seconds and then grabs him and tosses him into the table in the corner for the win. So not only did we not get, like I said, a, a, a real finish with a pinfall or a submission, something that really counts, they had to gimmick the gimmick and, and, and have Mahal run out. And then to make matters worse, Barrett leaves the ring to celebrate and Sheamus ends up killing Jinder Mahal, hitting the bro kick on him, and then driving him through another table that had been set up on the opposite corner to leave Jinder just broken in, in, in the ring and Sheamus, you know, celebrating in the middle. I really, I mean, the match was fine. I mean, I, tables matches are what they are, and I thought it was fine for a tables match. But everything from the ending to the end of the segment just made me roll my eyes big time. And really, nobody's telling anybody not gain anything, but I, I just, I, I, could I could not have cared less about Sheamus after the end.
1: Yeah, I, I really didn't understand the Mahal interference. I mean, could the guy be any more meaningless right now from a storyline standpoint? I mean, he's really not. Uh, you know, hasn't picked up any major victories in forever, and uh, you know, Sheamus just got done beating the crap out of him the previous week.
0: So I don't really
1: understand the need to have him interfere here, especially if, if the goal was to get over Barrett, who you know really didn't pick up enough out of it to be you know to, to gain anything significant, and and Sheamus ends up. uh you know, getting his heat back by kicking the crap out of Mahal after the match. So they managed
0: to protect
1: Sheamus, I guess, if that was the goal. But I don't know why you'd even make the match if that was the if that was the reason to throw him out there. It was just a very nonsensical way to finish the match, and I think it, uh, it ruined whatever they were trying to do for Barrett in the process.
0: Yeah, I, 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 God, it's, it's just so frustrating, you you know, they have an opportunity to do something here with both guys and, and, you know, you, you could have, you, you protected Sheamus as much as you can by doing the, the, the tables match. And, and then you just throw in the gender Mahal interference and that guy, like you said, could not be any more meaningless at this point. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, it's very disappointing. I hope they have plans for Sheamus after the, the Royal Rumble. I wouldn't mind if he's the guy that moves into the title scene, depending on how that plays out. Uh, I just, I, I don't know. I, he, he is, he seems lost right now, and, and they're not doing anything to help him. They're giving him Wade Barrett, who means almost nothing after they've, they've completely wiped their butt with him so many times. Then you've got Jinder Mahal, who does mean nothing, uh, that, that they're using to help get, I mean, you know, the two guys combined don't equal Sheamus. And so when he loses to them, even combined, it just, it looks bad. It makes him look bad. I, it, it's very frustrating to see what they're doing with Sheamus right now. Um, do you think he's got a chance of winning the Rumble? I mean, not necessarily that he's, he's one of your favorites, but, uh, I mean, do you think it's a logical choice that he might be a guy that could win the Rumble?
1: Yeah, you know, I think he'll probably be one of the final entrants, I would assume. I mean, he's uh, he's definitely one of the more credible, you know, talents that they have on their roster from a, you know, a guy who picks up a lot of wins and, and looks relatively strong in every outing, so... I would think he probably gets a, a quite a bit of time in the rumble and is, is at least down to the you know down to the last couple of guys in the ring. I don't expect him to win, but I would expect him to be a, at least in in
0: that group
1: that's contending for the win at the end.
0: Makes sense. After commercial, Teddy Biazzi made his entrance, followed by Unico and Camacho on the low rider bicycle. They put a video up on the big screen of Teddy Long backstage, and he spun the wheel and it landed on flag match. Said that, the, uh, said that the guy had to capture his own flag to be able to win. We had TV crew, uh, SmackDown crew, running out to the ring, setting up holes on the outside of opposite corners, one with a Mexican flag in it, one with a U.S. flag in it. I started writing my resignation letter <laughs> at this point because there is nothing more frustrating to me than this you know, xenophobic thing that they do anyway with... and, and, and you know, they we've we talked about Camacho. He's not he's not even you know Latino. He's 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 friggin' South Pacific Islander for God's sakes. And they've got him playing the Hispanic character, a Mexican character, uh, and now they're going to go with the flag match, and it's a pole match. Then on top of everything else, and uh, fourth match of the night, Ted DiBiase defeats Unico with Camacho with two minutes and twenty three seconds in a flag match. DiBiase captured his own flag. We got a little bit of action. I was just so frustrated at this point, that I really, you know, we we came off the Seamus thing. And, and, yeah, like I said, I, I thought the show was good. My arguments with individual booking, you know, the Seamus thing is a booking. This is, is one of those that the show just, it, it dragged the show down. We're coming off of a bad booking decision with Seamus. We get a pole match, for God's sakes, and it's based upon the Mexican and, and U.S. flags, and you got a, a tongue in down there pretending to be Mexican. The whole thing was just a disaster from start to finish for me. Yeah,
1: I mean, the action in the ring wasn't terrible, but this whole angle is just so bad that it's hard to really get into. And, you know, D.B. had one of those picture-in-picture promos uh, during his entrance that, you know, it it really – I mean, he's supposed to be a babyface, but he came across as, like, the smarmiest dude on the planet. And I don't think that really helped the match at all either, so – uh, you know the, the ring action wasn't bad, but the whole angle was bad, and the promo before the match was bad. I, I just didn't, I wasn't into it, and it, and it kind of ruined me on the whole thing.
0: Yeah, I, it, the exact same thing. It's, I mean, you know, they, the, the match that they had was was fine. So the action in the ring was pretty good, and the, the cut-in promo was, you know, I, I hope they're they're jealous or something. I, I I couldn't even hardly listen to it at this point. I, like I said, it was it was just frustrating for me from the beginning. Our, Do you think we're going to get a real match from these these two with Unico and and Ted DiBiase, or are we going to be subjected to three-minute matches in in a mini-feud that I guess is ultimately going to put Unico up? Yeah, I mean,
1: I I would guess that, you know, they have no long-term plans to put these guys on pay-per-view together. I would just think this is going to be one of those TV feuds that ends with one of them getting, like, an Intercontinental title shot or something. That would be my guess. I mean, it's Unico seems like the, the obvious pick for that role just because he's, you know, he's shown so much promise in the ring. But I, I, you know, I can't say for certain either way. But I, I would guess Unico goes over, and this this view doesn't really leave back down.
0: Yep, I, I I tend to agree. I wish we would we could get more from him, but it doesn't look like it. After the commercial, we're backstage where Teddy Long was with Drew McIntyre? He actually fired Drew McIntyre. I. I wanted to stand up and applaud because I thought, hey, we actually, you know, instead of threatening, well, maybe you could possibly almost be fired. He's like, dude, you're done. You're out. Sorry. You know, life sucks. Then Tina Morello walks up and screws up everything. He says, well, Teddy, you know, some people are saying that my win over Drew was a fluke. Drew, Drew agreed that people were saying that. He said he didn't want that to be the case. He wanted another chance to prove, so he asked Teddy to book him into another match. Teddy agreed. They spun the wheel to, to decide what the match was, and it came up blindfold match. Uh, Drew McIntyre went off to get ready. Teddy sent uh, Santino out. Santino closed his eyes and walked off camera, and then we got a very, very, very bad fake audio crash of stuff, you know, supposedly crashing down that I guess Santino had walked into. Teddy Long's reaction was almost non existent, especially for the, the major, you know, sound clip that they cut in. I, God, it just, it really made me want to just to, to kill somebody. That that was frustrating. Then we got Mark Henry getting ready backstage. But, the, you know, I, as I talked about earlier, I'm cool with one comedy bit, and maybe this was funny if it's the first comedy bit on the show, but it's not. We've already had Brodus Clay in that whole act, and, uh, you know, we've already had enough Oxana and Petty at this point. This just seemed to be piling off.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Santino is a decent comedy act, but, you know, they already have a better comedy act that was already on the show in Broda's Clay, so, I mean, it's, uh, you know, comedy acts tend to have a short shelf life, and they and they can't, they don't run for very long without, you know, kind of running out of steam, and Santino had a very long period where he wasn't even on TV, because I think people were just, you know, they weren't responding to him, so, uh, you know, I don't mind him in this assistant general manager's role, but, you know, when you already have two comedy segments on the show, it's... It, it just felt like overkill, and I didn't think it was all that funny. It was more cheesy than anything, and, you know, when we have already had a, a pretty good laugh moment on it, you just kind of roll your eyes at this. And it's unfortunate, but that's kind of the role that Santino's been relegated to. He's just kind of the guy that we're all supposed to, to laugh at or, you know, more likely roll our eyes at whenever he's on TV. But it is what it is. I mean, hopefully they keep these segments short, but it seems like they're going to be a, a permanent fixation on SmackDown for the being.
0: Yep, after commercial, we had the Raw Rebound video, which recapped the ending with Punk and uh, John Loranibus and uh, Mick Foley and all of that. And then our fifth match of the night, Drew McIntyre, excuse me, Santino Moreau defeating Drew McIntyre in a blindfold match. I didn't get the time. Uh, I was probably too busy trying to find the ice tape to gouge my eyes out. This, I mean, we, it wasn't even a blindfold match, first of all. They actually put black bags over their head, which was a little bit disturbing just to watch play out. Santino uh, actually ended up putting one over his hand, the cobra's head, so the cobra couldn't see. He used the crowd a couple of times. He would point, and when the crowd would cheer, he would realize that that was the way he was supposed to go. Uh, McIntyre cheated at one point, took, looked, peeked out from underneath his, uh, his, his hood to see where Santino was. But the hood fell off Santino's cobra, so he bent over to pick it up, which caused Drew McIntyre to crash to the floor when he attacked where he thought Santino was. Everybody ends up back in the ring. Santino points again until the crowd tells him where to go. He cocks the Cobra and hits it for the victory. So another loss for Drew McIntyre. I, you know, I, 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 well, I, I'm i struggling for words here because I don't – what are they doing with Drew McIntyre? Is, is this supposed to – it's not creating sympathy for him. He's not over enough for these matches to really mean anything for, for whoever beats him. And 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 it's not going to build
1: him up. What the hell are they doing with this guy? I have no idea. I I really wish I could tell you, but I I struggle for a reason myself. I mean, it it appeared like they were going to try to do you know their typical losing streak leading to a resurgence kind of storyline, but I don't know. The longer we get into this, the more it just looks like they're. You know they're punishing the guy for something, <laughs> and I thought you know being off the TV for six months would have been punishment enough, but apparently not. They want to embarrass him on TV for a while before they give him another shot, and I, I hope that still happens. I think the guy's talented, but
0: definitely it looks
1: like he's just uh, he's just paying for some sins somewhere else.
0: It's um, it, it's a weird moment for sure. It, it is very frustrating to uh, to watch what they're doing with him at this point, and again. This match is probably okay if you take the Brodus Clay segment out. Would you agree? If we only got one or the other, then I think this is probably okay. But Brodus was first A and B. Quite frankly, it was that.
1: Yeah, this it, it, it just felt gratuitous at this point. I mean, the the, the crowd, uh, you know, got behind Santino and the and the kind of goofy uh, Cobra uh, portion of the match. But other than that, I mean, this. McIntyre got absolutely no reaction. So if their goal with this McIntyre storyline was to make sure that he uh, he was completely demoralized, I guess they've, they've gotten that far. But uh, Santino, you know, he, he, he is what he is, and he's never going to be more than that. And, and they just got to hopefully have this be the end of the losing, losing streak for McIntyre and have him move on to something meaningful. So, I mean, there was a time when he was considered, you know, one of the heir apparents to one of the major titles. And I still think he can get there if they give him enough of a push.
0: I I, I agree, too. I think the guy's got plenty of talent. I think he's he's good on the mic. Well, uh, hopefully this is going to slingshot him into something else, but it's not doing anything for him right now. After commercial, we had our sixth final match of the night, our main event, Mark Henry fighting uh, Daniel Bryan to an apparent no contest for the World Heavyweight Championship in a lumberjack match in about nine minutes or so. Uh, The crowd certainly confused on this one, not entirely sure who to cheer for with two Certainly, definitely a heel in Mark Henry and probably a heel and in, in certainly getting heel heat in Daniel Bryan. Uh, so the crowd not really sure what to do with this match as far as who to cheer for. Uh, we got uh, Daniel Bryan on the apron early, almost got shoved to the floor and looked at the the Lumberjacks and started jawing with them, Wade Barrett jawing back. Uh, Daniel Bryan, you better leave me alone. And uh, Barrett going, oh, what? What are you going to do? Uh, so it just I mean I thought some some good stuff there as far as the uh, the drawing back and forth that was going on. I mean it was an okay match. They, they tried they tried not to do too much. Um, Daniel Bryan ends up back on the floor at one point uh, and, and gets attacked, or actually I guess he ends up attacking uh, one of the, uh, the the lumberjacks, which causes everybody to pile over there, and uh, they they roll in, or they get him back to the ring. Uh, Mark Henry Reese climbs onto the apron and snatches him back up, tosses him into the ring. So Daniel Bryan hits a dropkick on him, which sends Mark Henry down into the, the, the melee. And those guys attack him and try to roll him back in the ring. Bryan starts kicking through the bottom rope. He's he's kicking Henry. He's kicking, you know, Barry. He's kicking a bunch of different lumberjacks. Barry ends up sliding into the ring and clotheslining Daniel Bryan. You get three or four more guys in the ring, Cody Rhodes and, and somebody else in the ring, beating up on Bryan. Henry ends up... Uh, Dragging them away, he picks up Daniel Bryan like he's going to do the world's strongest slam. And then I, I think it was Cody hit a, a, a drop kick or a beautiful disaster kick. And so they go down. Then you end up with all those, the lumberjacks in the ring. You've got the big schmods and everybody's fighting and everything else. Somehow Bryan gets tossed to the floor. He collects his title and heads back up the ramp and backstage while Cole is completely just crashing the bed. Where's Daniel Bryan going? He walks through the curtain to the back. His camera cuts back there, shows him heading down the little tunnel that they have. Teddy Long walks up and wants, you know, demands to know where Brian is going. Brian demanded to know what was going on and what was next. He had Big Show in an ODQ match the week before. This week he's got Mark Henry, and he had 30 guys and the you know, Lumberjacks out there trying to beat him up. He demanded to know what was next, and that's when Teddy said, I'll tell you what's next how about the world title on the line at the Royal Rumble versus Mark Henry and the big show in a triple threat and inside of a steel cage and then he walked off, leaving Brian standing there pissed off to close out the show. Uh, Lumberjack matches are always hit or miss. They find a way to do something with the stipulation that it turns out okay. If they don't, then it's pretty stupid. This one was really neither. I mean, it was what I expected. The, the, The action they had in the ring was pretty good. I thought the the interaction with the uh, the lumberjacks was fine, and it you know that I, I could have wrote this one in my sleep. You knew you were going to end up with every single guy in the ring. A that generally happens in lumberjack matches anyway, and B it always happens just before the rumble, so kind of a giveaway match here. But you know what they did with it, I thought was fine.
1: Yeah, I mean that's really all you can say. I mean it was fine for what it was. It wasn't very spectacular or anything, but I don't know what you know we could have expected with. You know Henry and uh, and Brian in the ring. You know not able to really escape the ring to do anything outside, which you know which is where we generally see you know the little guy get some offense in in some of these matches. You know they they try to you know work something in with the with the steps of the announce table that gives the the little guy his opening in these matches, and that wasn't present. So it was mostly just Henry throwing around Brian and, and Brian getting the occasional kick in every once in a while, and then they'd work in a spot with the with the lumberjacks, and, you know, and then it turned into the schmazz. So, I mean, it, it was what it was. It was, you know, it was pretty predictable, you know, kind of a paint-by-numbers lumberjack match, especially when you got one 400-pounder and one 200-pounder and the ring together. So,
0: you know, I, I can't really complain about
1: it. I, I like both the characters, and I, and I thought the match was fine. It, 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 was, it was what I expected, basically. And, uh, you know, we already spoke a little bit about the the match being made after the, the melee took place and that, you know, that, that was okay too. It, it was kind of a weird placement being after the main event, but I thought it
0: worked for what it was. Yeah, I, like said, it's, um, it's, it was what it was and it worked for what it was and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't spectacular, but they're trying to do a couple of different things here. They're trying to set up for those, the world title match at the Rumble. They're trying to, you know, get hype on the Rumble itself. I, you know, it's, I, I, I don't like when they do it, just because it, it's so very paint by numbers and lazy. But I, I understand that they're going to do it. it it's their formula, what they always do. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to to kill them too much for for doing what you know. I mean, it's it's what they always do. It's, it's, it's no real surprise. I'm like I said, I'm sitting here watching this whole thing play out. I'm like, oh, this is going to happen here. This is going to happen here. This is going to happen here. Who needs to spoil it? I can watch the first fifteen minutes of the show. And know how this is going to turn out for the rest of the way, but it's uh, so not a spectacular finish, and certainly as we talked about, not a great way to announce the world title match. Uh, but a, but what should be a very good title match and an and expected way to hype the rumble. So uh, again, we both agree a, a pretty good SmackDown. Not as good as Raw this week. Not as good as last week's SmackDown. Uh, but not a terrible show either. And I, you know, I think we've got something to look forward to next week. I think they might have something good for us on the go-home show. That, that's a risk. SmackDown is often a myth on go-home shows. But I, I don't know. I have a feeling that we're going to get something good next week, just a gut feeling, certainly in the, the heavyweight title uh, storyline. I think, I think it's, it, you know, Big Show needs to come back, and I think they'll have him come back. I, I don't know. I just feel like we've got something good heading there. Am I, am I? You think I'm way off base there? You think we might have something that, that continues to make, at least that feud even more special.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're probably going to get a Mark Henry promo, which is a good thing, and, uh, you know, we're, Big Show will probably be back to, uh, you know, just try to sell the uh, the Royal Rumble match, so we'll have some kind of interaction between the three guys in the main event, and if, if they manage to turn that into a couple of segments on the show, I think, you know, I think that could even carry the show if the rest of it is mediocre, just because this main event has been, you know, pretty much the... Probably my favorite angle in, in, uh, in WWE right now. So uh, I, I think if we get that, then it'll be a much better uh, SmackDown show than we normally see for a for a go-home show, just because it's it's normally kind of the scraps that are left over after Monday's show. And uh, this week we actually have, or next week, excuse me, we'll actually have some some meat to dig into with uh, with a very good SmackDown uh, title uh, main event feud going on. So I expect things to be.
0: And we will be back next week, of course, to talk about that SmackDown and to prepare you guys for the Royal Rumble. But that is everything we have this week for the SmackDown that aired on January twentieth, two 2012. Sin City SmackDown from Las Vegas. Uh, again, Jake Barnett joining me next week as well as we as we look heading into Royal Rumble, give you some of our Royal Rumble predictions. Jason Powell and I will be doing a full Royal Rumble setup on this week's .NET Weekly. If you'd like to hear that, and of course have access to all the audio each and every week, all the old audio, all the new interviews as they come in, access to the ad-free version of the site, the .NET Members Forum, and the .NET Members Blog page, head on over to ProWrestling.net, click on the right-hand side for the .NET Members Sign-Up page. $5.50 a month if you take the annual option, save you 2 bucks off of the standard 30-day price of $7.50. Now's a great time to sign up. Again, with the, the rumble right around the corner, WrestleMania coming down the pike, and this is the time of year when it gets just wild and crazy, and we'll have a lot of coverage, a lot of things going on, a lot of news exclusively for members. If you want access to it, ProWrestling.net, head on to the right-hand side, click on the .NET member sign-up, and do that. We will be back next week to talk to you guys about the Royal Rumble and the Go Home Show from SmackDown. For Jake Farnett, I am Chris Shore saying thank you for your support of ProWrestling.net. We'll see you back here next week. Take care.